Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Blood. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. My guest today is Bridget Phetasy. She's an actress, a writer, and her podcast is called Walk-Ins Welcome. You can find her on Instagram at Bridget Phetasy. Bridget is our first female guest and shares a fresh perspective with us that we've not yet had. I'm really excited about this talk because we get to touch on some important things. Please enjoy. Sincerely. Okay, I want to ask one question before we jump in. You're our first female guest. Oh my god. Thank gosh. you. I appreciate you being here. Thank you here. for I feel honored. Thank yeah, you thank for you having for me. Being here. I'm so glad that it's you that I get to ask this question because I don't feel that I'll offend you just by asking. No. How do you feel about the word chicks? I love that word. See? I got a lot of shit for saying chicks. Oh. For me, a chick is like a cool girl. In what context did you use it? I said, we want chicks to listen to this. <laughs> and I think 2020, you can't say chicks. You, you can't didn't get the memo. <laughs> I didn't get the memo. I was literally thinking like, we want cool gals. Is gals fun? Gals. Yeah. I don't know that you can use gender. It, it, it seems like, you know, and I, I noticed this when I started waiting tables in 2017 and the younger chicks <laughs> would tell me that when I go to a table, I have to say, because I just always say, hey, guys. Right. Like, I'm from the East Coast. You're like, hey, guys. Yeah. What's up? And they would always kind of school me and say, no, you can't say guys anymore, Bridget. This is the first time I ever heard it from the younger millennials. They said you have to use friends. But that just hey, sounds friends? like I'm a politician pandering so you, to my audience. So I have been misgendering my four daughters like 
hey guys, it's time to go <laughs> is like a no-no. Well, you're using it to your daughters. Yeah. So then, no, you wouldn't be misgendering them. Okay, but is it a known, like, am I breaking a rule that I'm not aware of? I'm going to say no, because okay. I think it's just common language. and I do, too. And the language policing drives me insane. It's all it's just slang. So right. you can't just say, hey, guys, let's go. Yeah. I mean, one of your daughters might grow up and school you and say, dad, you can't say guys. Unless they identify as a, a guy, and then that's what they might want you to say. Right. <laughs> it's I, very confusing. You're I, not saying, hey, chicks, let's go to your daughters. No, no, because they're not—I don't <laughs> want to pretend that they're, like, cool, hip girls. Yeah, they're still my little kids, yeah. even though some are in college and probably are chicks. Yeah. But not to me. So, yeah, exactly. To me, they're still children. So chicks to you is just, like, a, a chill— chill gal. <laughs> uh, yeah, like a cool gal, like somebody who you're like, yeah, I want to talk to you. Like that... a, a boy's girl. <laughs> I don't know what a boy's girl is. Like, I, I don't know either really anymore. Uh, somebody who's, I was always more comfortable. I moved a lot and girls were mean to me. Yeah. So I was always more comfortable with dudes yeah. than I was with women but I also was always more interested in things that men were interested in than generally a lot of my friend, my girl, the girl, the gals. Right. And that, but that's no longer a tomboy. No, I don't know what it is anymore. Yeah. I wasn't really a tomboy either. I right. just was, I just. You just had fun with the dudes. Yeah. And they were generally, they were generally more accepting. The, the nerdy dudes were the ones who always kind of took me in because they got bullied and they saw me getting bullied, so they felt bad for me. Right. But then I was led into this little club of guys who were playing cards on the weekends, not going out and drinking and partying. And yeah. so I was introduced to the whole world of, like, dudes just hanging out. <laughs> Paige is very close friends with my wife. Mm -hmm. So occasionally I will join them on, like, a girls' night. Mm -hmm. And it's very different than a dude's night. <laughs> right. You know, and my wife has said at times, like, why can't I go? You come to my girl's night sometimes. Why can't I go to your dude's night? And I think what you're saying is is accurate because dudes are going to be more well-behaved generally unless there's somebody they know super comfortably well to, like, that Relax. you can say, can I call you a chick? Right. Yeah, it, so I wanted to break this barrier right away and yeah. know we're, like, comfortable. Yeah, I, I'm not—I um, think what happens with men is that, like you said, they're, they're more comfortable just being now—so I can already hear the argument being that, oh, that's just because they get to be their misogynistic selves when women aren't around to call them out on it. And I would say that there's just guys are just guys. Guys are guys. I don't know how to explain this in 2020. It's really tricky. I mean, writing for Playboy in 2015 was bananas I because I didn't know that there was this culture war. I kind of and I talk about this all the time politically. I didn't realize I didn't know anything. I wasn't paying attention. But even culturally, I was saying I, the first thing that I wrote was... Um, that went kind of big was women date assholes because you're a pussy. 
And it was just, it was one of the most common questions I got from men. They're like, why do women date assholes? Why do women date assholes? And I'm like, because you're a little bitch. Like, that's, it's not that they date assholes, just you're a whiny little dude and and you don't want to take any responsibility for that. Or you're trying to be a nice guy and like passive aggressively backdoor your way into being with a girl instead of just being upfront about that fact. You're trying to like be your friend. And then it's manipulative. It's manipulative. And then I think the ultimate goal is to be a dick. And so you've misrepresented yourself the whole time. And usually it's the guys who have presented themselves as like the nice guy and your good friend who end up being the biggest dicks of all time. Right. So I just wrote this whole article about some, and I was crucified by a lot of men probably beta males, which I know you can't say in 2020. Because they were like, I'm nice. <laughs> they were like, F you, beta males isn't a thing. I'm like, okay. And then the and then women came after me and they were like, this is toxic masculinity. And because I was saying, I use terms like real men. And in 2020, it's like, well, what is a real man? Right. Fair enough. You know, there's a lot of definitions of, there's all kinds of ways you can be masculine and express yourself yeah but But at the end of the day i mean like if we're gonna if we're gonna use language language is based on like the common denominator (laughs) that's what the words are intending they might they might not encapsulate an absolute but like if we did a cross-section of like what do most men have in common then we could just say those are male attributes right i just wonder if you took this kind of discussion that we're having in America about gender and whatnot to other parts of the world, like how hard they would laugh in your face. That for me touches home because I think many of the things that we think about or focus on in America come from a point of like, we're so wealthy. Yeah, too much. That we just don't have to do anything anymore. And we're we're trapped in this like thought exercise. Yeah, yeah. And into entertaining ourselves yeah. with everything. Like yeah. I constantly need a little hit of dopamine from my phone. Yeah. And then some cheap calories. Yeah. And like, I'm good. Who was it that said America is so wealthy, the poor people are fat? That's, you know, but that's just like, true. I mean, I don't know if comedian, that's 100% true. But, but it is It is a good point. You know, in other countries, the poverty is so abject that they're skinny and calorie deficient. And yeah. in America, it's, you know, again, they'll be like, well, that's because of the food deserts. And there's only fast food located in a lot. And that is absolutely true. Yeah. But it still says to, speaks to how much wealth we have just in general. I think it was 2006. I woke up on a Thanksgiving and it was one of these very rare Thanksgivings that I wasn't cooking. And so we had like hours of like, what are we going to do today? Mm -hmm. And me and my wife said, let's go volunteer somewhere. Yeah. So she made a bunch of phone calls and that's like, you got to get in line to volunteer real early. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. There's no like showing up day. No, it's crazy. Right. So we packed our kids into our minivan drove downtown, hit a McDonald's, spent $1,000, filled the back of the minivan with packaged meals, and drove around trying to hand them out to people. We got zero accepted McDonald's meals. Wow. Not a single person. Because they wanted the turkey. They weren't hungry. (laughs) Nobody was hungry. There was, I mean, okay, it was probably a misstep on our part because it was Thanksgiving and there were probably 
meals aplenty everywhere. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. to my mind, I was like, if I'm on the streets, what's one of my number one priorities? Food. I'm going to take food you know, clean, not through the trash can food from wherever I could get it. We couldn't give away a single meal, <laughs> not one. I'm nobody, surprised. nobody wanted it. I, I was surprised at the time and now I'm not because yeah. I just think, you know, if I look at like some African countries probably have poverty that's way, way, way below our homeless. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're well fed in L.A. It's not to say that they're not going hungry and homelessness is a huge problem and it's horrible. And I if I could figure out one thing to solve, it's just so complex with so many different layers. And it's fascinating to me just how how you even go about solving that problem. But I, as someone who has volunteered and I'm in recovery, so there's, where there's always a lot of service. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my friend sings in a choir and, um, I've done a lot of the, you know, not just on holidays and there, there's a lot of feeding the homeless in California and LA. Yeah. People are, people are making that a priority. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think that they really want drugs and alcohol and money right (laughs) that's what i would want yeah (laughs) i feel like my two thousand six thousand dollar mcdonald's run was money just totally wasted and but and it was stupid i wouldn't do that again i probably would just drive around handing out 20s today if i you know was on a super popular tv show again that's (laughs) what it takes that's what it requires (laughs) to do something like that. i mean even it's just uh i don't know that I've tried to give away food and I, and then I feel like, am I offending you? You know, it's right. You, I mean, like, yes, it requires the assumption thing. that they want it. Yeah. That's a weird thing. I'm, I'm assuming you want food, which seems a little condescending of me, even if it's Does well-meaning. It, if they're in a tent on the streets, is that a bad assumption? I don't know. No, I think it's well-meaning. So I think that I think that the it comes from a good place. If I was living in a tent on a street on the street, I've lived in my car. I haven't had when I first got out of rehab. I didn't. Um, I think I need it. You need the big things. You know. I I don't know that. I I don't know if somebody went to hand me a like Happy Meal or something. Would I've been like, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah. What I need (laughs) is a mobile generator. Yeah. I need your iPhone. Yeah. Like I need your car. I don't need your. Give me an Amex. Your silly little Happy happy Meal meal that you got for me. Yeah, I really regret that assumption. Was just (laughs) such a misstep on my part. It doesn't seem like it would be though. Like I, I I would if I drive down the street as we all do here in LA and there's so much homelessness, obviously. I'm imagining people need not only clothing and shelter, but food too. To me, it's not a weird assumption, but. At the same time, I'm not seeing people who look to be starving in Los Angeles. Okay, let's talk about food. Let's talk about it. I loved your article about how much do guys really care about a beach body? Oh, yeah. I loved this article because it really spoke to me. And I felt like a camaraderie with all the guys who were, who were saying stuff like, I just want her to feel yeah. happy with herself because then I get something out of that. At yeah. The end. That's pure truth yeah. from my perspective. What What is your stance on that? Like, 
what, what, what are you trying to tell girls with that? Just feel comfortable with yourself or you can, you're allowed to? That article was so revealing to me because I don't know. I love pieces like that where I kind of farm the hive mind. Yeah. And I miss doing them because I was writing for Playboy and for and so I could be like, hey, guys, what do you think about balding? And then it would just be essays and yes. erectile dysfunction and all these it just and I, again, I say this all the time. I don't think many people are asking men how they feel. You know, women have, have a lot of opportunity to talk about their feelings. And when you do, it's just this crazy outpouring of, of I would get like these essays. And in this instance, I was so touched by some of the responses I received from men about their wives and their girlfriends. I mean, I would say the very small minority was guys being like, oh, whatever, she better keep that ass tight. But it was such a minority in response to just so many men who were so impressed with what their wife or or their partner had gone through in childbirth and seeing how they had carried their child and and how much the how hard it was on the woman just psychologically with all the hormones, if it was all of it. And then wanting them to feel beautiful, but no, as a woman, knowing how much that affects my libido, and it's true with men too, I'm sure. I can only speak as a person who identifies as a woman. (laughs) Um, That affects the sex life. It affects their whole relationship. So it's not just that they love their wife and want her to feel, wish that they could see her the way that they do, but also that they just... Um, it affects their dynamic. Yeah. Just the whole relationship. Listen, I have gone through, I have run the gamut of sizes. Yeah. And at no point did I have a lowered libido. Oh, interesting. I, I was ready to go at any weight at any time, pretty much. But the, I wonder if that's true for all men. Yeah, I have no idea. But I do know there is some real truth in how my wife feels about herself Mm -hmm. versus doesn't really matter what I'm saying to her if she doesn't feel good about the way she looks that day. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was kind of inconsequential how I felt that I looked. I mean, I didn't care. I mean, I did care, but it wouldn't affect me in that way. Okay. My question is, is that something that is, and you'd have to do like some big study on this, but is that something that is just male? <laughs> like right. the male of you. I, I always joke because my friend Jack, rest in peace, he was somebody I volunteered with in a nursing home. He was in, in recovery. And so I'd go see him. And I, the guy had no function. And he, one time when I went to visit him, and he said, When do you think we'll get to make love? <laughs> And I'm like, you are pissing out of a catheter literally on your deathbed and you're still thinking about sex. Yeah. And then he said something about Hitler. And I was like, that's really life, right? Like, just that's at the end of your life, you remember sex and something about Hitler. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's what comes back to you. It was so revealing to me. And so I wonder if that's just something or is it that. There is more pressure on women, you know, in the media and whatnot to to maintain this kind of way that they look. Right. And I, so I, they're affected more. What do you think, Paige? Yeah. I think there is. I think we're in a, you know, culture 
shift now, right? Where it's acceptable and starting to be celebrated to have a bigger body and to be more comfortable with curves and Mm -hmm. even much bigger body and so on. But I 100% think my whole life, there's way more pressure on a woman Mm -hmm. than a man to but I wonder I wonder it's so because I know from from my limited experience that when I I recently had some health stuff and I had to do with like hormone stuff and I my libido is like it affected my libido and then I gained weight because of all this health stuff and I've kind of had that the benefit of like thin privilege or whatever um, you want to call it. I, I could pretty much eat whatever I wanted and I was always very active. And then I, my aunts always used to be like, you'll see someday. Oh, you skinny girls, you'll see. And my sisters and I are all like, the prophecy has come true. Cause some of it is just age and hormones and suddenly your metabolism slows down and, and I can't just, you know, I'm not doing drugs anymore. So I can't go on a two day bender and just like lose those, pounds. And it definitely affected my libido in a way, way more than I would have expected. But I, again, don't know how to separate the weight gain from the hormones. Right. There's no way to tell whether it's uh, mental or physical. I do know that I cycle and part of this is body dysmorphia it's always tricky. Where does the body dysmorphia end and the truly like what I'm putting in my body matters begin? So I know that when I'm eating like shit, I feel like shit. Yeah. I just know that. And when I'm gaining weight, I feel like shit. And I I know when I gain weight and I can really only rely on my gay friends to tell me the truth about that (laughs) (laughs) because women and straight men will not give me this. I'll be like, I feel like I've gained weight. They're like, no. And my gay friends will be like, yeah, you did. You look good though. Now that you laughed about they're, they're very honest, Yeah. but I don't know where that begins and where that ends because my body dysmorphia is such a real thing. Yeah. And I didn't really even understand how real it is. And they told me in rehab when I was like 19, they said, you have body dysmorphia. But I didn't, it didn't register until, you know, maybe like a year ago that I have a severe. Were you thin and you thought you were overweight? Just looking, I look, this is the thing that kills me about body dysmorphia. I look at pictures when I was 23, I'm 41 now, or even 33. And I, at that time was critical of my, and I was in insane shape, like an eight pack and tiny just I must have weighed 105 pounds and I was little and I thought that I was chubby yeah and I would say that out loud around people who probably were actually struggling with their weight which is a horribly self-absorbed narcissistic and selfish thing to be saying but true for you it was true for me but it was not by any extent of any universe true. It wasn't objectively true when we get into like how we categorize things with statistics. Yeah. And it's the only reason I didn't have a, I think, eating disorder is because I like eating so much. So I just, that outweighed my vanity. Yeah. But I can, I can understand how one would I see it at my gym all the time. I'm like, whoa, you haven't. I want to write a little message over the scale that says you are beautiful because I see women who are so tiny and get on the scale and shake their head and shame and like disappointment. I'm like, first of all, you're here. 
You have legs. Yeah, we're you're, lucky you're to be in a gym in America, and it just is like all it becomes this like crazy myopic. And I wasn't even focused on. For me, what I've unpacked with my therapist is that for women, often Brene Brown has written a lot about this because she writes a lot about shame. And for women, the easiest place to go is your body when you're feeling shame to kind of critique yourself and shame yourself or hide from shame. And it's this thing that, I mean, I do work with, I have worked with enough women with eating disorders over the years and teenagers that it is something you can control when your life around you feels out of control to a certain extent. You can, can take control of, of um, your body. Yeah. It's like hypochondria. It's, it's a mental illness. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wonder if it is the media because I never felt pressure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was kind of loved as a fat guy too for a number of years. So right. with that, there was no, nobody ever said you need to lose weight to me. But I can look at advertisements and, and see like the guys who are getting up there. Here's what a positive image of a man is. And then when I talk to men, one for one, all of them have a thing with food where right. they're concerned with it. Totally. But they don't, they, they're certainly not as concerned as, I see women living with five women, four girls, four daughters, and a wife. It's totally different. Yeah. Like there is a the shame. I think is a big thing where girls will do that versus. I mean, I was five hundred and thirty pounds and not really experiencing shame. Well, my experience it was internalized shame from sexual assault that manifested in body dysmorphia and being hypercritical of my body. So I don't even know that it was shame about my body right. so much as a generalized sense of shame that was then manifesting in body dysmorphia or criticizing my body or or obsessing about parts of my body because that was easier to do than to look at the underlying feelings that were um, that I was ashamed of. Right. Generally, a feeling of worthlessness. Yeah. As, and now it's taken me 20 years to figure that out. And and I think that younger women today, I, I mean, I would be interested to know what, you know, your your college and teenage daughters are experiencing because they so you were you were kind of beloved as a chubby guy. And I do. Uh, and I wrote a piece. Chubby. <laughs> If we're calling what I was chubby, that's very kind. Of obese? You. Yeah, sure. Okay. Morbidly obese. Okay. So you were, but now we see people like Lizzo who are being celebrated and you got roles because it became, I guess, part of your brand per se. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I saw this with Lena Dunham. She tried to lose weight and they, her audience turned on her yeah, and they came. So when it becomes part of your brand, you know, people have these weird expectations, even, even as a woman who's embracing body positivity and now wants to maybe get a little more healthy. Yeah. And then her audience is like, you said that you didn't care about this. And now she's like a slave to being chubby because she embraced body positivity so that that's like a weird messed up thing i've seen yeah i don't know why both things can't be true like i don't know why yeah. lizzo can't be super proud of herself and not feel shame and and that's awesome yeah and adele should be allowed to do whatever she wants and look however she wants and also 
have people support her versus I think she is taking some heat right now for losing weight. Like today. Adele. Uh, that's what yeah, I was told. Yeah, I think I would. Again, though, it's just this intense policing of women's bodies that's so crazy. The body positivity thing is healthy. You know, I drove by a billboard and there was a chubby model on a Gap ad. And I'm like, wow, we, that's progress. I mean, we sure. we've made some progress because I did not grow up seeing that. So that imagery is important. But. I also think we have an obesity epidemic in America and that these things, body positivity is good, but obesity should not be celebrated. And those two things can both, like you said, be true. Right. They don't. And I feel like anytime you go after the body positivity and say, okay, we can we cannot feel shame for all these different sizes that we come in. But we also can acknowledge we have a problem that needs to be addressed and let's maybe not look for an excuse to be the laziest, worst version of ourselves possible. Right. Because that's what often happens is like, yeah, it's much easier for me to hashtag body positivity than it is for me to get my fat ass off the couch and go to the gym right. or go do a YouTube video yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I don't have an answer for what the middle ground is balance yeah. yeah i mean look we can advocate for people to be kind and we can advocate for like people to have the education on like type 2 diabetes being on the rise and and the number one correlation is being overweight and just reducing your caloric intake can reduce your risk of type 2 diabetes like that statement shouldn't be an attack on Lizzo. No. it's not no and it, and the, then the horrible things that people say to her. So like you said, we can advocate for being kind. You, It's what she's doing is none of my business. It's her body. It's her life. But on the other hand, I think it's so good for women in particular. There are people who have broken through and they're being celebrated. And it's it's like when I was growing up, someone like Lizzo, I don't know that she would have even broken through because they would have looked at her in the industry and said, you're chubby and that's just not good for a record cover. Or okay, but I would just put forward Aretha Franklin. She was not super thin. She might not have been as big as Lizzo, but she was a bigger gal. But that was such a different time. I mean, Aretha Franklin was, did we live in the like hyper glossed image, you know, Instagram no, world sure. that we live in now? But wasn't one of the mamas and papas too also a bigger gal? Yeah. Didn't she die? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, listen, I'm just hoping for and rooting for Lizzo would have made it at any time. By the way, I, I don't know any of I don't music. think there's any way we can know, but I think that she, I don't know that it would have been I, I hope you're right. I, I don't know. There's no there's really no way to know. But I don't growing up. I remember that it was, um, you know, even it was like Rihanna and, yeah. and even salt and pepper. Aaliyah. And Aaliyah. <laughs> yeah, right. Aaliyah was you know, all the and just Britney Spears and just like skinny little waifs dancing around for the most part. Yeah. I, there might have been an outlier, but now I feel like. There has been a push to, and I think it's healthy to to see all, there's a whole article in that Los Angeles Times last week about the how dancing has been democratized because of the YouTube and 
all of these different outlets, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok yeah. and how there's a, a woman in a wheelchair and she has her whole thing. And there were these women and I think I believe they're from Pakistan or India and they had started a whole Bollywood dance, but hip hop kind of thing. It was just all these different kinds of representations of dancers and dance. And I think that this is where I think the Internet has been so great in yeah. terms of it has just shown us that it's talent will break through. Yeah. I, I, as a kid, never could go to the beach and take my shirt off. I was always the odd kid out on the beach who was heavier than mm -hmm. every other person. And I never took my shirt off. Now I look back at pictures. I'm wearing a white t-shirt that I've just gone in the ocean <laughs> with. It's see-through, right. right? I'm like, like, what did I think I was right, hiding? Right. You see everything. It's right? almost worse. It's almost worse. Yeah. And now, today, I still, and I'm in great shape, I still can't take my shirt off because that feeling is still there that I've got to hide my body. Mm. So when I see young girls who are heavy girls wearing halter i don't know are they called halter tops is that a oh, thing yeah. like a low a high cut shirt i feel happy that that kid yeah. is not hiding their body yeah. i hope that that kid someday understands the way food works and can make decisions based on that rather than just decisions based on constant immediate gratification through the sensory experience mm -hmm. of eating but I also, like, I hold both truths in my head. I'm mm -hmm. super glad that there are kids nowadays who are possibly heavy and aren't ashamed to take their right. shirt off at the beach. I know. It's such a, it's, and kids who are, God, I mean, we, my sister, I have younger siblings and one of my sisters, she, we were all, my, the next sister down was kind of a little waif. And then the next one down just had a different body type. And we still apologize to her for being horrible. But the damage is done. Right. You know, it's like something I will, I, I like start crying. It's, uh, kids are just mean. Yeah. Even even me to my sister as a kid, you know, just the, but, and the damage that I did as a kid, I can, I, I can say a million things to her now and it doesn't matter because that is, it becomes internalized yeah. when you're that young. Like how you can't take a shirt off. Yeah. And that is, you know, when you're young and and overweight, it's just so the 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 kids are mean. Yeah. Just such such mean little bastards. Yeah. And that stuff lit The only people I was ever bullied by were preschool kids. And this is when I was in elementary and middle school. And it wasn't it wasn't intentional bullying. It was more of like a curiosity. Yeah. But the only place that I felt at all truly uncomfortable was I'm not going to, I would rather go around the block than have to walk by little three or four year olds who are going <laughs> to ask crazy questions about why is that guy look like that? You know what I mean? It wasn't what I did to defend myself against my peer group was I would go in the bathroom stall to change mm. at PE. Like I was never mm. comfortable showing my body to anyone. And so when I see girls who are, who are what would have been made fun of when I was a kid, who are just proud of how they look, my heart goes out to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it it's so challenging because it's something that's 
such a positive move in the right direction that could inadvertently have a lot of negative consequences. Sure, yeah. Because now it's like, yay, okay, but you still need to lose some weight. Right. (laughs) Like, hooray, but that's, you know, that's not healthy, right? But at the same time, like, I agree with you in objective terms, but then I go like, I could drive by and see people smoking cigarettes and be super judgmental of like how they're damaging their body. And at the same time go, it's none of my business what people do with their bodies. I don't care. Smoke cigarettes, do drugs. I really personally don't care. Eat McDonald's. Right. However, we have drastically reduced the number of images of people smoking and what smoking companies are allowed to do and that imagery in movies and ads because we know that it kills you. Scientifically proven to be on. So we don't have to judge, you know, if someone's going to smoke, whatever I'm, I'm, I'm in recovery. My whole thing is like, whatever, (laughs) basically to each their own. However, we had enough I guess, presence of mind or progress to say, okay, let's not glorify it. Yes. It shouldn't be pretended to be the healthier of the two, whatever the two situations, if we're going to call this or we're going to make this binary, one is like urging towards utter health and one is on the way to a health and decline. We shouldn't pretend that it's not that. Did you find, you know, people always say, well, how much change have you made because you've been shamed? And I'm like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people are like, no, I've never changed anything because I was shamed. And like, ah! I was, I felt pretty ashamed of myself. Maybe not shame from the outside, but it was a sense of shame that got me sober. Yeah. It certainly has been enough. There has certainly been a, an amount of um, feeling shame. I don't think, <laughs> I think, sh- listen, in society, shame s- serves a purpose, mm-hmm. right? If 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 the three of us are the group and we three have some moral agreement that X is bad and one of us does X, then us kind of casting a bad eye at that person could serve a purpose. So I'm not totally against shame. I just think that shame without an avenue for, you know, like who's being taught in school? Look, all the food that's being served to children in school is probably not of the healthiest variety. Is there anyone in school teaching a kid how their body absorbs fat or carbohydrates or protein? Like, is that a thing? I think you... I mean, I th- I remember learning something like that in health and nutrition, but I don't know that that, that might be cut from public schools now. Right. But didn't Michelle Obama's whole initiative, wasn't it around, which I think just got <laughs> tossed, but wasn't it all around healthy, healthy food? Yeah. But what's funny about that is that it's it had the same effect on my nephews that Dare had on me because they're like, ah, we f- freaking hated those videos, those Michelle Obama videos we had to watch about food. And they're like, we love Chick-fil-A. I'm like, yeah. this is what happens with kids. Yeah, you know, I totally. grew up with dare and I'm like, oh, really? You're going to dare me to do drugs? Yeah. I don't know whose genius idea that was. Right. Yeah. I'll let's, take that let's dare. dare. Watch this. teenagers to yeah. not do something. Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why did they think that would work? Right. It's a miracle I- every Gen Xer isn't, you know, dead. Yeah. I'm a drug overdose. 
course. Yeah, and now we have all the calories for all the fast food listed next to it, but it's all meaningless because it's all like it's these are just numbers. Who knows what they're burning in a day and they're going to consume a cheeseburger that's 1600 calories and It's crazy when you start looking. So for because of my recent thing and because I felt like crap and because I'm 41, I'm like, well, I, I guess I need to like pay attention to this now. And I've never counted calories in my life or even knew what you could be like, how many calories are in that banana? And I'd be like 7,000. Like I don't or 70. Right. I have no idea. And so I started doing one of those little apps, my fitness pal or whatever. Great app. I love it. Yeah. And that works for me that because it's like a game. So anytime I can kind of gamify something and it's like, it takes the all of the emotion away from it because I was feeling so emotional about it because uh, it's like because of the circumstances around it and whatnot. And it just made it a very simple math problem that I had to solve. Yeah. It's like, here's how much you're taking in and here's how much you are allowed. And this is just a very simple math problem. And I can be completely dispassionate about it. Yeah. And so that works for me really well. But I had no idea. Yeah. When you actually start looking at how many calories are in things and when they, because I used to always hear like, it's 80% food, it's 80% food. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But if I work out, it's like, yeah, you need to work out for an hour to burn, really hard to burn like 300 calories instead of just not eating a couple of things. Right. And that's, that's what was crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. I, the first time I was ever aware of like burning calories was when I was riding bikes, but like obsessively mm -hmm. for eight hours a day. And I would look and I'd be like, oh my God, I burned 3000 calories on my bike today. I can't eat anything. Mm -hmm. I need to be like, I was a sicko that mm -hmm. way. But, yeah. It does get a little crazy. Yeah. Now I've really gone super sciencey about it. And I love that app. But I also just write everything down, everything I eat uh, anyway. Interesting. Yeah. And well, I use when, Calorie King to figure out what some of the values are. I've used that app. Okay. When you say you've gotten super sciencey about it, what do you what do you mean by that? I eat one to one point two grams of protein per pound of my body weight. Okay. And then basically the remaining calories I split up between carbohydrates and fats mm -hmm. with the the majority being carbohydrates. And then as long as I hit 10% of my calories in fats, which is like if I ate no fat and then had two tablespoons of olive oil, I'd hit around, I'd probably be over 10%. So, oh, okay. so it's very little fat. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like sometimes when I haven't hit my fats, I take a handful of omega-3s and I hit my fats. Oh, yeah. so it's low fat. Very it's low not, fat. I've been doing... I, I was lifting yesterday with I, I got somebody to help me do weights because I find that I that I seem to respond really well to it. And I don't know that any of this is based in science because the guy who who's like my physical therapist was like, we'll talk about that another day about whether lifting weights is better for women my age. But I do seem to respond to it, and I just like I like how you can isolate different muscles, yeah. which is – and I've always been yoga and running, and I'm very injury-prone, always getting injured in soccer. When I was growing up, I was always on the bench, and I'll, I sprained my ankle in my front yard. You know, I'm just – I feel like I'm just injury-prone. 
So I have to kind of be careful with like hit workouts. I'm like, Meh. yeah, like CrossFit and me, I can't, I, I'll, I'll break something. Yeah. But also a lot of the weightlifting done in CrossFit kettlebells, you can do, f- that's fine for hit stuff right. like that works exactly as it's meant to work. But when you get into like deadlifts, snatches. It's the jumping too. Uh, the, a lot of the like jumping on and off those, you know, the, yeah. the whatever. The boxes. Yeah, yeah. That, that I just have bad knees. I have bad, I, I have a bad shoulder from yoga. I, I was doing some martial arts and pushed myself too hard. And then I ended up tearing my rotator cuff. Wow. and. That never got a checked or anything, just couldn't use it. I was so poor that I didn't, I just kept on going and let it heal. That's caused this like ripple effect in my neck. And so it's all these. So I've been trying to be more. Now my thing is like, how am I, how can, how can I be sustainable? Yeah. Because I'm very goal oriented and I respond well to negative reinforcement like come on you can do more and I'll injure myself right or I'll push myself and injure myself and so or starve myself and I go to CrossFit and you're competing against like a 19 year old yeah I can't do that yeah no it's just I and I've learned to be more gentle but I I don't think there's so much misinformation and so when I've been on this recent kind of like okay we're gonna get control of this situation a little. I went primarily down to just paleo, I guess, diet primarily. So just mostly fats and protein and veggies and no carbs, basically. And yesterday I was lifting and I had no energy. And my guy was like, well, what have you been eating? He's like, Bridget, you've got to have carbohydrates. (laughs) Like you cannot just completely cut them out. You know, even just like a sweet potato or something. I was doing a version of of paleo. I think I was probably closer to keto. So Mm -hmm. it was like fat and protein and Mm -hmm. very little carbs. Mm -hmm. And I was losing not, I wouldn't say equal parts, but I was losing a a large percentage of muscle as I lost weight. Mm. And I needed that to stop. And what I found is you have to trick your body into holding on to muscle. If you're in a caloric deficit, your body's going to want to get rid of muscle because uh, muscle requires calories. Right. In order to make your body think it needs muscle, you have to lift weights because your body doesn't know it's lifting weights. Your body thinks we're out foraging for food. Right, right. So you lift weights. In order to do that super efficiently, you need carbohydrates. Right, right. Now, there's probably a paleo person who's going to say, I was able to do all this with – or a keto guy who's like, no, I, my muscles fire on ketones – Fine. Okay. Mine didn't. Right. Mine, I felt weak. I And what I've noticed just in the three or four weeks is that I, I'll have these days where I'll be super energized and then I'll have one day where I just crash. And my friend was saying, he's like, it's because you're not, you're not, it's not going to be sustainable if you're not having any carbohydrates. But plus I'm a writer and the brain needs carbohydrates. So yeah. I'm spe- expending so much creative energy and energy mentally, and then I don't. I feel like I can't find words or something. You right. know, it. it I. I definitely have noticed that I need <laughs> to be more yeah. conscious of taking in carbohydrates because I think you. That's the. That's the hardest part about. And I do have so much more. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Not respect, just I, I have... It's so hard to lose weight. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard. Yeah. And even for someone, I am not a big person and I don't need to lose that much weight. And I could probably not lose anything. And my doctor would be like, you're fine. You psycho. But yes, I sit here looking at you going like, I don't think you need to lose weight. But right. obviously I would never say that because it's all up to you. And I probably don't. But I live in L.A. and I'm on camera and right. I see myself and I'm like, ooh, it looks like I've been eating sheet cakes for breakfast because the camera adds 10 pounds, yeah. you know. Sure. And it's just my and again, my own body dysmorphia. I for me, it's all about how I feel. I cannot step on the scale because I'll be psyched. And my so much of being sober and, you know, some so much of it is. I always joke like my the majority of my day is like, how do I not be psycho? <laughs> because you can get I can get so I'm an addict, so I can get obsessive about weight loss and be and drive everyone around me insane and have it take up all of my, you know, brain capacity is in this one thing that I'm going to obsess about because it's it's because uh, I'm a I'm a junkie at heart. Yeah. and I like to just fixate. But I can see how it has to be about a lifestyle change. It can't just be like, I'm going to lose this weight. It has to be building habits that are sustainable and just changing your life. That's why why losing weight is so hard. It is like getting sober. Yeah. In so many ways, there's so much overlap because you have to change your life. I actually think it's harder because sobriety is a black or white thing. You know, you don't don't drink anymore. Don't do drugs anymore. And you know that any, you stick your toe into drugs and you're going to do drugs. You're going to be back doing drugs. What are you going to do about food? I know it's, it's so, that's the thing about behavioral addictions that are so, and, and food is a weird one because it's, it overlaps. It's a substance and it's a behavior. And it's, it's so the girls that I've worked with and I, it is the hardest one to treat eating disorders, anything, because you can't just cut food out. Yeah. 
And I actually think that we're probably going to end up treating technology in very similar ways that we treat food addiction because it's the same thing. You can't cut out technology, but people have like a serious people are getting serious problems with it and it's behavioral. And, and it's also kind of necessary. And you now. need it. Yeah. And so how do you tell, how do you manage that? Yeah. Where are you? And I don't know that there's, it, it's really mindfulness and diligence and self, um, self-awareness. And I, I'm not, sh- I do, I've always had more respect for the people in, in like OA and, because it does seem easier to me. I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to drink anymore. Right. I mean, granted, I did have to change my entire life because for me, there was no life without alcohol or, you know, there and weed and all of the things. Yeah. Um, but again, it is like, I can just say. But it is that thing of like, okay, well, gonna I'm just going to have a new life. And you can think that way with food, but you're still going to be doing the thing Every day right. that was the problem the day before. Literally would be like if I had tried to manage my drinking, yeah. which I did try and do. Sure. So I don't know. I It's something, again, it's another thing that I'm so fascinated with. People who have managed to, how do you do it? I remember when there was a product, it's bizarre. I, they called it Soylent. Uh, and I think it might have even been Soylent Green. Some guy came up with a protein shake and you would like write into them and say here's my weight here's the weight I want to be and they would program your calories for the day however many carbohydrates they thought you needed and fats and you would just have a drink and I remember seeing that going like I might actually do this and just not eat anymore I'm glad I didn't ultimately because I can't imagine how weird that life, like, I don't know that that's sustainable, mm-hmm. especially with how much is built around, like, socially. Food, yeah. Like, life is oh built God, around food. everything. Yeah. I did the master cleanse for two weeks, not because I wanted to be skinny, but because I was poor. <laughs> like, in 2010, oh around, I just, I was still drinking and smoking weed, but I, I, that two weeks, I had no money, probably had no beer. So I'm like, let's do the this master diet. Yeah. It's only lemons yeah. and water. And holy shit. I mean, you realize how everything is like, want to go get coffee? Want to get drinks? Want to go get, let's grab a lunch. Let's get a dinner. Our whole life is based around food. Yeah. And then just all the time you have from not meal prepping. Yeah. Just long stretches and the days feel like interminably long yeah what am i supposed to <laughs> yeah. do with all this there's time there's no cooking there's no cleaning there's no shopping there's no cleaning up after dinner i love yeah. cooking that like this whole hours and extra hours of time but you have no energy so you can't do anything right with it yeah you can't go to the gym on the master laying. cleanse no i was just laying around like i couldn't even think yeah i shouldn't have even been allowed to drive it's that, not, is, that is a wild diet. It's crazy. Yeah. That it's is crazy. The, like, I also called the Hollywood diet. Is the Hollywood diet the master cleanse or the Hollywood diet's another liquid diet? It's another liquid diet. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And that's the other weird thing about, like, you're saying this drink. Um, even when you do a juice cleanse or a bone broth cleanse or whatever, there's something about not chewing that slowly starts to drive you insane after just, like, one or two days of it. Like, yeah. I just want to chew something. Yeah. Yeah. And your teeth feel chew. like they're atrophying mm-hmm. or something. I, when I did a two month liquid diet, I ate gum 
constantly because mm. I had that thing after like two days. I was like, two I months? have to do something. Yeah. Holy shit. I lost 80 pounds. In oh two my months. God. Yeah, yeah. I had my gums. I had to get like gum replacement. And so I couldn't drink for two. I could only drink for two weeks and I lost like 15 pounds. Two and everyone's months. like, you lost so much weight. How, how'd you do it? And I'm yeah. like, like an old fashioned way. I starved myself. Yeah. It's like the only way to lose. Wait, that's it. It's I, just figuring out how to starve yourself healthily. I would be so scared today. Like I was sick yesterday and I didn't go to the gym and I felt this physical like, oh my God, I need, I want to work out so mm. bad. I want to lift weights and I couldn't do it. Mm. And so like the idea of not eating for two weeks and how much weight I would lose, not worth it. Mm, not worth it interesting but maybe if you're a, a gal yeah not a chick a chick a gal a chick gal i guess the barometer for me is what would i call my daughters that and i wouldn't call them broads or chicks mm. but it i still don't have a bad connotation attached to those words yeah but that makes sense as a dad yeah i don't want to call my daughter a chick yeah i've called them dudes and guys and <laughs> Uh, man, come on, man. I hit him with that all the time. <laughs> See, you're, you're, it's equalizing. So did you have an eating disorder? For sure. Yeah. I don't know if I could define it in words. I just ate way too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how did you... How did I battle it? Yeah, psychologically. I mean, physically, I I get it. You, yeah, you started becoming. I just did diets. Diets. Yeah. Um. Psychologically, I really just tried to take the pleasure out of food, and that's not mm -hmm. a, a an absolute statement because certainly there is stuff I look forward to eating mm -hmm. and um or, you know holidays are joyous celebrations mm -hmm. where I'll some kid will make my favorite you know healthy hippie kind mm -hmm. of paleo cake that I like <laughs> yeah. and I'll eat that um but I do try to separate the idea of food as a pleasure source uh, and and think of it as a source of fuel mm. and like I, I remember when I first cut out bread and now I eat bread again bread is a part of my diet but when I first cut it out I literally spent time thinking of bread as like objects like rocks and right. trees and walls and tried to just go that's not food why did you add it back in I needed carbohydrates mm. to what kind of bread do you eat Schmidt's old timey 647 low carb bread. Okay. And Aura Wheat extra sour rye bread. Okay. 70 calories per slice, 14 grams of carbohydrates. Okay. And Schmidt's is only 40 calories per slice. Mm. And it is fluffy and delicious. Okay. But it's got a lot of ingredients. So that might scare like the non GMO people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's so crazy that. I, I know that women I've talked to who have lost weight, they say that they use it to hide. Yeah. That they've used it. And, and then what happens when they, no one really prepares you for the way everyone talks to you when you do lose weight. And a lot of women I know have lost it. And then people will constantly be commenting on how good they look. 
And then it triggers that old shame of like, oh, so I didn't look good. And then they'll start eating again because they want to hide. It's like a way of hiding from the world. A lot of introverts I know will use weight to kind of hide. And did you experience that at all? The I mean, I feel like I was so big that it was impossible to hide because I took up like two to three, the space that two to three regular sized bodies would take up. So. But do you think you were hiding your, I guess, not hiding in plain sight? I I guess hiding your self. I mean, like capital S self. Sure. Yes, there was there was uh for sure, I, I remember this, but I don't know what came first, if it was weight gain, because I was heavy going back to five, mm-hmm. and I don't think I was heavy at five because I was hiding. Right. Because I, like, my memory tells me I was a totally normal five-year-old kid right. who just liked to eat, um, and I was active, too. Mm. But I do know, like, high school on, there was for sure a constant deflection of like a certain type of attention to my friends. Like that attention, even if you're giving me that attention, I know it's for one of my friends. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You couldn't like accept it. No, Yeah. never. And I still can't. I mean, I'm so glad that I've done what I've done while I'm in a very happy relationship with my wife that I don't ever have to think about that attention, the attention from my wife has never changed. Right. She, when we first got together, me losing weight never came up. Mm -hmm. When I brought it up to her, she was like, yeah, let's do that. And since then, she's definitely reminded me of goals I've set and Mm -hmm. gone like, hey, what are you doing? That's Mm -hmm. not what you said you were going to do. Like, get back on your program. Mm -hmm. But I know that it's it's not a materialist point of view from her. Does right. that make sense? Because it, it it came from me. Right. It was my... How much did you weigh when you guys got together? 5.30. I mean, that that's amazing. That's amazing that she's... What what a what a fun surprise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife, wife is like, hot, yeah, too. So it's like, like... I Surprise! I, yeah. Yeah. Here's what we got But you know she loves later. you for you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like there's it, no There doubt. was no... And... I can't say that I believe that for any of the girls I saw before. Mm. Like, those relationships were really basically meaningless Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And, like, take it or leave it. Like, okay, we're done with this. That doesn't matter because it's just not a real thing. And Mm -hmm. so with my wife, I was like, I need to make sure that I'm as committed to this as as like I'm making this the best relationship it can be. And part of that is being healthy. Yeah. And being, you know, that there is so much early death with obesity. So just being able to be alive for your kids and be alive for your wife. And I would imagine that would be, I just wonder too, if it's something like in recovery, they always say, we're going to love you till you can love yourself. I mean, was there a a part of that where did you? It, that's possible. That, did you love yourself? Like, were were there? Did you feel like you receiving that kind of unconditional love inspired you to be even better? Totally. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yes, it was night and day. You know, my 
parents loved me. Of course. But like, you, I feel like it's very easy. And I can see it with my kids too and their love for me and my wife. There's a, you can take that love for granted. Like my parents are going to be there for me no matter what. Right. Finding another person that you have no biological connection to who is just like, you're my guy. Mm-hmm. Let's conquer the world Mm -hmm. you then have to go like okay am i being the best version of me that i can be like do i respect myself enough to go like i'm gonna be in a team with this person and the first thing i have to work on is myself yeah i think that's the that's been the most interesting part of recovery is am i being the best version that was when i say i was feeling ashamed that was really that it was that nagging sense that i was selling myself short that yeah. i just could i knew i could do better i knew that i could be more capable of giving back to the world not so much about what i could even get just what i was giving into the the little time that i have as this human and i knew that i was pissing it away you know just uh, it's being so self-destructive and then over the years of kind of get you know once you kind of deal with that original uh addiction or whatever it might be and then looking at the the underpinnings of that is a fascinating thing too do you do you go to therapy at all no no my therapy is lifting weights yeah I hear yeah. that a lot from men. That and it was there. hiking before that mm-hmm. and riding mm-hmm. bicycles. And I felt like I imagine the thing that I would look for in therapy, I feel like I get when I'm physically active. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I hear that a lot from men. I think men are just women. I know a lot of men who go to therapy and love it. And I think that it can be amazingly, like for me, it's been just amazing at even unpacking just getting older as a woman you know she's like we unpacking all of the external validation you're used to and bringing that inside as you go from 40 to 50 is heavy lifting and you want to do it now so you don't go crazy when you're <laughs> like 50 and she's like and add to that you're in LA which is not a place where it's easy to age gracefully particularly as a woman yeah so I find that she's very helpful. She's like this hot shit, gorgeous Scandinavian woman who she's she's been through it. You know, she's yeah. she's speaking from experience. Yeah. And she knows that underneath, you know, addiction and all those things from for me was was so much trauma that I could there's no way I could have like lifted weights through processing trauma. Right. And so I I think that in my I, – because I tried to just, like, do yoga through it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, I can just move through all these blocks. And they kept coming back and back and back and only really looking at some of those things and recognizing, like, oh, that's PTSD. <laughs> right. That's why I keep having this tripwire that right. was I able to kind of move beyond it. Yeah. But – I wish I I know that a lot of men um, that I know that they get that same kind of relief, I think, from just the physical expression. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so wild because having daughters, having a wife, having mostly male friends, but seeing women because my wife is friends with a big group of girls mm-hmm. that. I'll never really understand the 
the intricacies with which they think about things right. that are just not there's no nuance for me right. in certain things. Right. You know, and and then I could be talking about a pair of shoes or like going and looking at art. And I like looking at art, yeah. but it's just not the same. Yeah. And and I think to the same to to weightlifting, I don't see a lot of girls lifting weights. And when I do, I'm super excited. Like, what are you doing? I say, yeah, this is awesome that you're here. Yeah. You know? It feels good to just exert to feel that power. It's just and to have somebody push you a little and and you're so much more capable than you think you are. That was something that I read. I had a, I was doing like karate at one phase in my early twenties. And the guy who trained us said, always do two more than you think you can do. Right. So whether it's two more breaths that you're holding it in yoga or two more reps or two more sit-ups, because then you train yourself not to give up when you think you want to give up. Yeah. And it has served me so well just in life, that little tiny piece of advice. You can go longer always than you think you can, but more importantly, don't give up when you think you can, right. when you think you need to. Yeah. And I just like that feeling I, so much of, I was thinking about, you know, what what's the state of the feelings under addiction a lot of the times because I work in recovery and with, so many of these things and often it's powerlessness. Yeah. It's a sense and not even just powerlessness in my own life, just this global sense of like, whoa, this shit looks like it might go off the rails any minute. Yeah. But I what control do I have over any of it? I can only control my little space that I'm standing in and yeah. what I'm bringing into the world and and feeling powerful is and even like lifting weights, it feels so good. That's exactly been my problem with my wife trying to get me to take vitamins. Mm. Like drugs, I can take a drug and have a response that I can basically control, maybe have to mitigate with other drugs or time or whatever. But like that is a sense of power. Like mm. however I feel, I can alter that feeling with drugs. I can also alter it with food. Mm -hmm. Now I can alter it with exercise. Vitamins and certain things like that are quote unquote healthy. I don't get any sense of power right. through taking them. You know what I mean? I've never seen cleaner blood from taking vitamins. Mm, I've never felt better. From I read taking an article vitamins. that it was like very expensive pee. Right. You know, like they, yeah. they've done like all these studies on multivitamins, and the doctors are like, oh, it's, you can get so much of it with food. Yeah. And it's interesting that you were saying, talking about altering your feelings, because as an addict, I'm always wanting to alter my feelings. And being injury prone and having so much, it, it's like such an important piece of my sanity is exercise and, and altering that, um, mental, like if I'm in just a mental funk, I can instantly alter that just by getting my heart rate up. And when I'm injured, I'm really forced to sit with all of that discomfort and yeah. holy shit, it's crazy what's lurking under there. Yeah. You'll see very quickly, you yeah. know, your blind spots if you're used to working out and lifting. And when I injured my shoulder, I was doing yoga and teaching it and, and just running around. And I was like, whoa, that's when I really started seeing my body dysmorphia and, yeah. and weird relationship to my body was when I was injured and couldn't do yoga like a, a crazy person. And all this body image stuff came up.
Right. Like you were saying how you had one day off and you're one like, day. Oh, shit. <laughs> I lost my I lost my pecs. They're gone. <laughs> They're gone. They don't exist. I look in the mirror and they are gone. Yeah, and it's completely psychological distortion. Yeah. It's all a distortion. Yeah, I, and I've had different stages. I, I have however I feel about my body now, which I know I don't base it in objective terms. I just know that I have a goal that I'm not at mm. versus I have a picture that I took when I was working out and I was 350 and I started to develop traps and I was literally like, I am right there. Mm. And that's like almost a hundred pounds ago, but I was perfectly content. Like I've done it. I have, I've figured it all out. I look perfect right now, mm -hmm. you know? And, mm -hmm. and you want to get back to that feeling. I don't even care about that feeling. I'm just saying like, it's wild how my body dysmorphia fluctuates right. from like, you know, once I was there, the minute I set another goal, the truth of that I was onto something at that point evaporated. Like yeah. it was like, poof, that was a lie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's the crazy thing about body dysmorphia, but also just self love or whatever dumb term it is. You, how do I, how do I use, it's particularly when it comes to body goals, how do you set those goals, but still, and again, it goes back to body positivity. You can still love yourself and want, know you want to improve right. and still want to get, um, maybe it's harder to get back. I think as opposed, that's why I have to like, for me, I can't look at a scale because it has to be about how I feel, how I feel in clothes, how I feel inside. Right. Because I will, I'll obsess on that on just number. A number. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, Which really means nothing. That's why I can't look at metrics for even my podcast or any. I have everyone else look at numbers. I'm like, I will obsess about those numbers, yeah. and it will become the focus. And it won't be about the quality. Yeah. It won't be about how I feel. It won't be about the what a great product I'm putting out and how I love it so much. It will be, I don't have enough. I more, I need more, yeah. more, more of whatever. And it doesn't fucking matter because if one person listens to this and they're like, you know what? That conversation inspired me to take a little bit more control of my weight, but also still love myself in the process. Yeah. Then that's it. Then we've won. That's freaking it that yes. needs to be enough that needs to be the metric yes. because otherwise i'll go down a rabbit hole of and it becomes it's all about um rewards you yeah. know or like it and it that, becomes material yeah yeah and that's not why i'm doing any of this ultimately ultimately i mean i joke on twitter all the time about politics and i'm always making fun of the left or the right and but that's not really my wheelhouse this kind of conversation is really my wheelhouse i love talking about recovery and addiction yeah. and how health and wellness and mental health is so important i one of the things that i had to do was start meditating because i was injured right. and that's how i i was like well I need to be able to sit with discomfort because if I'm just using working out to to mask the uncomfortable feelings I'm feeling, that's just for me another, it's just another replacement. Yeah. Like I can be addictive about anything. Sure. So now I'm just using running instead of 
heroin. (laughs) Yes, rather than getting the positive things out of running and having it just be part of your life. Yeah, although my guy who's my physical therapist is like, I'd still rather have you injure yourself running too much than doing heroin. Yes, (laughs) for sure that's a better route. It's harm reduction. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bridget. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I did have some questions. Oh, let's go. Can, do we have time? Yeah. Is this the Twitter questions? Yeah, I just want to at least get a couple in because yeah. they're the Twitter people. I mean, you said you were going to ask questions. If you didn't, it would be a lie. Somebody wants to hear your thoughts on intermittent fasting and keto. Okay. I think you can put yourself into a caloric deficit doing either. And if either one is a tool that helps you do that, then I'm super into it. But in order to lose weight with either, you still have to, it's still the principle of I'm giving myself a smaller window to eat. And within that window, I will eat less than I would have had I given myself a larger window. That's how intermittent fasting works. Does it work? I mean, like if, if, if I had four hours to eat, it would be hard to cram 2,500 calories into four hours. Right. That's kind of my, where I have to, I can't, I don't really go above that in order to lose weight. Okay. So it could. Yeah. But. I know that in order to retain as much muscle as I want to retain throughout the course of the day, I need doses of protein, which I couldn't get on intermittent fasting. Like I couldn't okay, eat okay. 300 grams of protein <laughs> in four hours right. and have my body absorb it all as protein. Right. It would turn a bunch into glucose. Okay. That leads to the second question. Is protein powder good for you? Sure. Okay. I have no problem with protein powder. I freaking hate it the way it tastes. Oh, but get a better protein powder. Yeah, I don't know. There's something about the aftertaste of protein powder that I'm like, ugh. Legion Athletics. The pea powder or whatever. Yeah, I've not done pea powder. Pea protein or something. That doesn't sound good to me. (laughs) That sounds like it tastes bad. Yeah. But there is whey protein that's delicious. Pea protein gives me gas. It makes me gassy. Yeah, I wouldn't eat that. (laughs) How do you count calories, keep track of weight when those tactics previously led to unhealthy habits? Tracking calories didn't previously lead to unhealthy habits. I think this is somebody who it did. Like, if I think they're saying I previously had a body probably eating disorder or something. And so, how do you do that? If you Well, I would just ask that person what their goal is. If they want to lose weight or they feel that they need to lose weight, you know, look, maybe being religiously tracking calories isn't the thing for you. Right. Maybe you go on keto and you're naturally eating in a caloric deficit because your body's digesting fat much slower and so you're not eating all the time. That might be the key. I, I don't I don't know what their previous issue right, was right. and what their goal is. That's Those right. are good questions. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of questions. Lately. I bet you do. You're an inspiration to so many people. And yeah. that's what most of the comments were like, that guy's totally transformed himself. He's so inspiring. And it's so wild and awesome that anybody could be inspired by me. So it's like uh, humbling. Yeah. But it it is you overcame something that most people don't. It's such a Herculean effort. And then to maintain it is even more because what they find is most people don't maintain it. Well, that I think is really part of the motivation to do this is like, now I really have to be accountable. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like talking about sobriety. Yeah. It's like some, there are days where I'm like, 
fuck this. And then I'm like, oh, but I disappoint like so many people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't just like exist in a small, innocent, no, you people know, are relying on you. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. not. Yeah. They're not necessarily. I hope they're not relying on me, but I wouldn't want to be like, I wouldn't want to be the reason someone else was like, well, Bridget, when I, I if I'm there, like motivation or inspiration it's like i don't want to be the reason that they're like fuck this right you're the i'm drinking today to do the other yeah exactly yeah. which you could be right well good i'm happy to so be thank that you. yeah thank, thank you. you for having me this chick on i'm so you, glad Paige. i feel like we've really broken a barrier having a chick on yeah i think <laughs> i'm personally very happy yeah and um i think we cleared up whether or not it's okay to say chick yes. no don't don't use me <laughs> by, by all means i, I don't want to by the way sure like 90 percent of los angeles females would disagree with no, me on yeah. that <laughs> all right we're gonna do a poll yeah okay all right thank you <laughs> thank you here's a question we got at americanglutton.net Nicholas wrote in, I'll do good for a few days to a week, then stop and get a quad stack cheeseburger combo on the way home just to have dinner with my wife. If anyone understands that, it's probably you. Just curious what it was that did it for you. What stuck? What was the turning point? Thanks for the question, Nicholas. Uh, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I don't know that I have experienced that much in the past few years, but I fully remember uh, being on some kind of an eating plan and going off and getting fast food and derailing it that way. I think the thing that really stuck most with me was the, the goals I set for myself and really being honest with myself about uh, how I was going to achieve those goals and what it was going to kind of cost in my routine, cost in habitual terms, cost in effort output, and looking at those as realistically as possible. As of today, I, I don't really think of ever stopping for cheeseburgers. I will occasionally make a plan to have a cheeseburger on a weekend, but that is very rare. So if your goal is enough to have you on this program. And and I don't mean listening to American Glutton. I mean the program of your eating plan. If, if the goal is sufficient to have you doing that, then the idea of stopping to get a quad stack cheeseburger on your way to dinner is really only working against that plan. So I would just say to fully understand what that food does to you, what what, what kind of caloric imbalance that would put you in, how much work it would take to dig you out of the hole, and is it necessarily worth that extra effort or worth completely giving up your goal? I was I was just kind of done being the way I was and came to a point where I was I was ready to to kind of take my mind out of it certainly in the beginning, you know, in AA, one of the first steps is admitting that you're powerless. And I don't in this day believe that I'm powerless to anything, but I won't drink because it hasn't gone well for me when I have had alcohol. So I don't have to admit that I'm powerless today, but I have to admit to myself that I know through all the patterns of my life that 
that is an, a thing that goes against the life I'm trying to lead. Much in the same way, if you are really stumbling, you got to have some kind of a formula that you put in place to kind of have checks and balances with the idea that you could stop and and admitting to yourself that this is going to derail the progress that you've made might be the first step. Uh, we did a whole episode on mindset, and I think many of those techniques are useful. Uh, there are probably other techniques that you could find useful, but that would be the thing I would suggest. Thanks for writing in. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, you can submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening. Sincerely. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.